Well, if it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. Sometime over the next week, when you're traveling, eating, meeting with family, something is going to interrupt your plans. You're going to think things are going to go one way, and because something little happens, or maybe even big happens, your plans are going to be turned in a whole new direction, and you're going to be interrupted. How are you going to handle it when it comes your way? We've been talking for several weeks at our church how the birth of Christ, what we're celebrating tonight, was a big interruption. Think about how the birth of Jesus interrupted a teenage girl named Mary who was just engaged to her boyfriend and all of a sudden she finds out that she's going to be the mother of the Son of God. She was interrupted. And then these shepherds who were just doing their thing, just shepherding, just hanging out in the desert, and this bright light shines on them, and these angels tell them, go see this Jesus, go worship him. And they probably had never been chosen for anything before in their lives, but they were chosen that night to go witness the birth of Jesus Christ. Their lives were interrupted. And character after character... When you read the stories in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke about the birth of Christ, character after character was interrupted. And you are going to be interrupted. Maybe not, maybe not just in the trivial way. Maybe not by a flat tire or a canceled flight or an argument over Christmas turkey or whatever. But maybe you're going to be interrupted in a much more profound way. We've been talking about these divine interruptions, how, how God sometimes moves in our lives and works through all of these interruptions that happen to bring us closer to Him. I've already found out a bit about a big interruption that's going to happen in my family trip that starts in a couple days. My great aunt, sweet lady, near 90 years old, is very near death and probably won't make it even through tonight. So my Christmas holiday is going to be filled with a funeral that I didn't anticipate. And yours is going to be filled, if not this week, the next week, sometime you're going to have to deal with interruptions. And more often than not, when we have interruptions, we find ourselves saying, why is this happening? What's going on? I need some direction. Many times I've sat across the table from someone and they're just crying out for, please give us direction. I need to know what God wants me to do. I need to know what God says about where I am and how can I find some comfort and how can I find some answers. People have always sought to hear from God in the difficult times in life. If you just open up, pick up your Bible and start reading at the beginning in Genesis, you start to read story after story of how God is communicating with people. God communicated to a guy named Moses through a burning bush and spoke to him. Now, that wouldn't interrupt your life. Well, it would. You're walking through the desert. Here's a bush. It's on fire. And all of a sudden, it starts calling your name. A little bizarre. That would interrupt you. The nation of Israel who spent hundreds of years in slavery in Egypt, when they were called out of Egypt and they were going towards this land that God had promised them, they were guided by two things. In the day, they were guided by this, this big smoke in the sky, this big cloud in the sky. 
And then at night, they were guided by a pillar of fire. God spoke to a guy one time through the mouth of a donkey. God spoke to people, and he communicated. And, and you probably have found yourself wanting God to communicate. God, tell me what to do. What am I supposed to do? Things aren't going right. Something happened I didn't anticipate. What do I do? I just need guidance. One group of people that you read about in the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, they constantly cried out to God for guidance, and they didn't always listen, but they, there's one point in their history, they come to this place where they're unsettled, where they're scattered, where they need guidance, where their life is just a mess, and this prophet rises up from among them, his name is Isaiah, and he speaks on behalf of God. And he's letting them know that God is going to provide guidance and God is going to provide some answers for what they're going through. And he does it through giving them a prophecy. A prophecy of, for something that wasn't going to happen for about another 700 years. But it was a prophecy spoken directly from God through the mouth of Isaiah. And it's recorded in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, chapter, chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah is introducing kind of a new concept to these people. They would have understood God giving them guidance. They would have known the story about the pillar of fire and the cloud in the sky and a bush speaking to God, speaking through a bush to Moses, God speaking uh, through the mouth of a donkey. They would have known those stories about how God gave guidance and communication. But this idea of Emmanuel was new because the idea of Emmanuel wasn't that God was out there somewhere leading and God was out there somewhere where you could see and follow, it was, it was a whole different way of thinking about God because Emmanuel means God with us. So Isaiah is saying no longer is he going to be in the clouds, no longer is he going to be in this pillar, of, this pillar of fire, no longer is he going to be in all of these spectacular ways that you've seen him, but he's going to become one of you. He's going to be with you. He's going to be Emmanuel. That's one of the things that the religious leaders, when Jesus came on the scene in the first century, got really upset about. They could not comprehend that Jesus, that God would come from heaven, become a person, and become one of them, become a human, because they were expecting something completely different, and they had a hard time understanding. They could have just picked up their Bibles or their, their Old Testament that they had and read the prophecy that God was going to come and be called Emmanuel, But they didn't, and they missed it. But the 700-year prophecy at that time was that God would be with them, that he would be among them. So when, when Isaiah said God is with us, it was a new way of thinking. It was a new way of thinking that God is not out there, he's with us. You know, when I was a teenager, this would have been, wow, let me think, uh, early 80s? into the mid to late 80s. I'm 44 if you're trying to do the math, so just so you know. When, when you had a, a significant other, you would say, we are going together. Y'all remember that? You remember that, don't you? Remember? Going together? 
they're going together. You don't go anywhere. It's just like you're going with that person. It means that you pass notes or maybe you get to hold hands in the hallway, but nothing else, okay? And, you know, that you say you like each other. That's what it means, going with. I'm going with someone. One day I was, I forget the illustration, but I was talking uh, from the stage and I I said this term that when I was young, it just meant basically going with, but it's, it's the word, it, it was hooking up. And I said, I said that, and my teenage daughters were like, Dad, do not say that again, okay? It means something completely different, another topic for another time. <laughs> so words change. But when I, was, when I was young, going with meant that you were with somebody. I don't know what it means today, but that's what Isaiah was trying to say about God. That he's going to be with you. That he's going to be on your level as a human. He's going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be a person. So what does that mean for us today? That Jesus is Emmanuel, that he's with us? Well, it means the obvious. I mean, I'm never going to be alone. Jesus is with me, so I'll never be alone. Jesus is with me, so that should affect the way I make decisions. It should affect the kind of person that, that I become. It should affect the way I parent. It should affect the way I am as a friend. It should affect the way I am as an employee or a boss. Jesus is with us, so it should have a profound effect on our lives. He's with us, so it means I've always got someone to pray to. I've always got someone to communicate with. I've always got hope. That's the with us that Isaiah was talking about. See, when Jesus showed up on earth, he was so far from what they were expecting, even though the religious leaders should have known, but they missed it. They were expecting this king and this kingdom and this, this big just palace and all of this hierarchical rule and that's what they were, they were expecting a life of comfort. They were expecting that this king is going to show up and we're all going to be comfortable. We're going to have a king, Jesus, king of the Jews. He's going to rule over us and we're going to rule the world. We're going to be comfortable and life's going to be great. And there's a big problem with that kind of thinking. If you're taking notes, write this down. God does not want me to be comfortable. That's not his goal. God's not thinking, oh, I, I just want to let them be comfortable. If they could just have a comfortable life. If he was concerned about comfort, then, then Jesus got it wrong when people would come up and say, what do I need to do to follow you? What do I need to do to go to heaven? One time Jesus told a rich young man when he said, what do I need to do to go to heaven? You need to sell everything and follow me. And the guy was like, oh, I didn't get that memo. <laughs> I mean, like everything, everything, and follow me. But Jesus, this stuff is comfortable. I've got comfortable stuff at my house. Who's got comfortable stuff at your house? And he's saying, give all of that up to this guy. Now, why would he say that? Well, the things that were making the guy comfortable were between him and the relationship that he needed to have with Christ in order to have eternity with him. So Jesus said, you need to give up that stuff that's making you comfortable. So he really didn't care. If the guy was comfortable, he wanted to take care of the guy's soul. And it's the same thing with us. I mean, we seek after comfort in life, but that's not God's goal for us. 
Jesus went on to say this. In case you say, well, you know, I don't have money, so he's never going to tell me that. Or I have money and I don't really love it, so he's not going to tell me that. And just so we all understand what he's asking us to give up, Jesus said this in Luke 14. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. See, we seek after comfort, and then comfortable people tend to lose touch with the reality that God is with them. Because if your life is full of just comforts and everything that you want, and you've just built this big comfortable life, what do you need God for? And people tend to lose, the, lose sight of the fact that God is with them when their life is just comfortable and everything goes well, never any, never any big issues, it's just comfortable. And Jesus wants to come in and be with you and interrupt your comfortableness because he cares about your soul. Oswald Chambers says this, God has no compassion whatsoever toward the things that keep me from being with him. You might be sitting here tonight on the, on the edge of a decision that's going to interrupt your life, that's going get, to get you out of a comfortable existence. And here's a question you should ask. What, what, if, what if God is saying, will you just let me be with you? Forget about all the comforts, forget about all the stuff, just let me be with you. Because I'm not that concerned that you're comfortable, I just want to be with you. It, it seems as humans, we, always, we just always follow what makes us comfortable. Anybody bought a mattress lately? Tell the truth, bought a mattress? You just might as well just look in the mirror before you leave to go to the mattress store. And if you're a mattress salesman, I'm very sorry, I'm going to say this. But you, you just look in the mirror and say, I'm going to go get ripped off right now. <laughs> because doesn't it feel like a ripoff? I mean, you, it's $1,000 and I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm going to be asleep while I'm on this thing. You're not, is it really something I can enjoy? Who goes into, into a mattress store and says, I want the hardest, cheapest, thinnest mattress you have? Of course not. We get in there and feel like we got to spend, you know, thousands, like entry level. Because we want comfort. We're, by nature, we're just creatures that seek comfort. When it's cold outside, I turn up the thermostat because I want to be comfortable. When it's hot, I turn it down. I want to be comfortable. And if the air conditioner goes out in a car, we'll spend whatever we have to to get it fixed. Because we're creatures of comfort. God is not that concerned about us being comfortable. But God wants to comfort us. For some, it's not that you need to get out of your comfort zone. You know who you are. If you're the one that needs to just stop trying to live a comfortable life, get out of your comfort zone, make the decision, do the thing, sell the stuff, whatever that means do it. But for some tonight, you just, you just need to be comforted. You just came thinking, I just need to hear some words that are going to make me feel better. I just need to feel some, some, some of the presence of God through the music and whatever else happens and the words. And I, I just need comfort because maybe this is your first year alone. Maybe Christmas brings back painful memories. 
Maybe something failed in the past year and you get to this time and everything kind of slows down a little bit and, and you have time to sit at home at least for a day or two and, and think and, and that brings back feelings and pain and you just need comfort. God being with us, being Emmanuel, it does mean at times we need to feel conviction and need to make some changes. But it also means that we need to feel him helping us feel better. That we need to feel his presence to have our hurt eased and our confusion made clearer. Isaiah went on to say this in chapter 66 verse 13. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. You know, there's nothing that matches a mother's comfort. And Isaiah is comparing the love of God for us with the love of a mother for their child. And it's true. I mean, when a kid really skins its knee, when it's really middle of the night, wakes up, nightmare, what's the first word? Mommy, come and get me, help me. Skin knee, mommy. Becomes a famous sports person on TV. They look into the camera. What do they say? Hi, mom. And Isaiah is comparing God to this comforting mother. My wife would do things for the kids she would never do for me. I never got, if I had dirt on my face, spit never cleaned off the dirt on my face. But the kids, they would be sparkly clean, and sometimes it was from spit. I mean, kids can drop something in the mud, and if it'll quiet them down, the mom will pick it up and lick the mud off of it if she has to, to get the kid to be quiet, right? Moms will do anything for their children. And Isaiah is saying that same kind of love that mothers have for their children, that special bond that only a mother and child can have, that's how much God wants to comfort you. So no matter what the hurt is, no matter what the mistake, no matter what the pain, God wants to comfort you. So you don't have to say, I'm in the middle of something bad, where's God? I don't feel him, I don't hear him, I don't, I don't even know if he's here. You don't have to say that. Because 2,700 years ago, Isaiah said God would be Emmanuel. God will be with you. And he may be with, be with you through the, the words of a friend. He may be with you through a prayer. He, he may be with you through a, a note that somebody writes through the words of his word when you read it, but God will comfort you. God will provide that comfort because he is Emmanuel. He is with us. And I imagine tonight, there are people in here that you're at different places. You're going through different things. Life may have thrown an interruption at you that you never expected. You may have been made to come here because you know, oh gosh, I get there, they're going to start talking about spiritual things and it's going to feel weird and, and I'm going to start to feel that again. You need to know that this 2,700-year-old prophecy is for you. God is Emmanuel. God is with you. Listen to these stories. 
of how God is with us in our interruptions. Our lives were interrupted Christmas morning, 2009, when we hydroplaned into a patrol car and a concrete median, leaving my son John with traumatic brain injury. We spent 55 days in two different hospitals and have had several stays since then. But through the interruption, God has been faithful to us and reminded us that he loves us. My life was interrupted in the summer of 1993 while my mother and I were out at a local pizzeria and she began sharing a newspaper article with me. That newspaper article told of a police sting that occurred the night prior where several men were arrested. One of those men was my father. His sentence of 30 years would change my life forevermore, but through the interruption, God has been faithful to remind me that he loves me. My life was interrupted in 2008 when my husband of 23 years separated from me and then eventually asked for a divorce. That was not what I had planned for my life. And then when reconciliation didn't happen, I was a totally broken person. But through the interruption, God has been faithful to remind me that he loves me. My life was interrupted on December 6, 2000, when my daughter Lydia was born three months premature. She was a tiny miracle, weighing only two pounds, four ounces. The next several months were filled with fear, confusion, and uncertainty. But through that interruption, God has been faithful to remind me that he loves me. My life was interrupted in 2002 when I was diagnosed with a chronic pain and fatigue disorder. Because of this ongoing illness, I am unable to work and provide for my family as I would like. And I'm unable to do many of the things in life that I enjoy and used to take for granted. This has greatly affected my family even to this day. But through the interruption, God has been faithful to remind me that he loves me. My life was interrupted in the spring of 2008 while I was at the dentist's office. My husband was waiting outside with the news that our 20-year-old son Cameron was dead, killed instantly in a motorcycle accident. Within minutes, I felt the comfort of God's community surrounding us. And in the days and months that passed, he sent so many signs of comfort and strength. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about Cameron, but through the interruption, God has been faithful to remind me that he loves me. Yes, my life has been interrupted in many ways this year. Trying to maintain employment in this unstable economy, having to short sell our house after trying to sell it for three years, having to replace a motor in one of our vehicles, having to replace a transmission in two of our vehicles, having my dad diagnosed with a brain tumor and watching him lose that battle four and a half months later. So yes, my life has been interrupted this year, but through this interruption, but through the interruption, God has been faithful. God has been faithful to remind me that he loves me, that he loves us. I'm getting to lead this church is that I get to hear stories like the ones you just saw on the screen. I get to hear stories of people who, whose lives were erupted and then God moved in a big way. Stories of people who have been comforted because 
a friend or a small group or a, a group of people at our church or, or our entire church surrounded somebody who was in need. Stories of how God has worked in the middle of interruptions. We're all going to have those in our lives. We're all going to have things happen that we don't anticipate. There's going to be pain that we don't even think about. There's going to be joys that we never thought about either. But because of a prophecy that was given by Isaiah that said, God will be Emmanuel. He will be with us. We never have to be alone. And when things are tough, we never have to go through that alone because God is with us. As you go out and enjoy your Christmas holiday, whatever that means for you, may you live every day with the realization that God is with you, that Emmanuel is at your side no matter what happens. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this reminder that you are with us. When things are confusing, when things are hurtful, when things are great, you are still with us. And thank you for being a God that walked among us and knows what it's like to feel the things that we have to feel. God, help us not to seek to be comfortable, but to seek your comfort. We pray this in Jesus' name.